0: Hi, welcome to Behind the GM Screen, part of the barnett College family of podcasts. I'm Melinda, your host, and today we'll be chatting with Drew Mullett, an engineering student at Ohio, here at Ohio University. Drew's going to talk to us, being the brave soul that he is, about some of the mistakes he's made as a GM and learning to kind of, there's that learning curve to find your, your groove and figure, and you still make mistakes after that, but some of those early ones can be a doozy so uh hi welcome to the
1: show drew hello hello everyone thank you so much for having me
0: i i am super excited to have you here because it's it was just so much fun talking to you the other day when we met oh yeah and then to find out you gamed
1: (laughs) yeah yeah Uh, it's always fun to find somebody else in the hobby especially because i've been i got into it fairly recently so it's nice to be like oh thank thank you so another like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I could talk to you about on my campaign ideas.
0: Well, and I love the fact, and this is not necessarily anything against Dungeons and Dragons, mm. but you said that's not what you run. No. So you're fairly new to the hobby, but you're not necessarily a DDer. And most of the the younger players, I find the people who are fairly new, regardless of their age, to actually playing that's what they play.
1: Yeah.
0: And you mentioned these other games and they look at you like there are other games. I
1: know. <laughs> um
0: and I'm like, "Yes, there are, and you'll eventually get there. It's okay." Mm. Um and I'm glad that we have 5th edition D&D. It's bringing so many more people to the gaming hobby. Mm. It's just I can't talk 5th that as much as I can talk some of these other things, but yes. That's what I me, mean, not them. Oh yeah, exactly. Anyway, we're gonna talk about your goofs because you, <laughs> the way you talked, you have some really good ones. Yes, I do. Um, and every every GM has a few in their their history. I know it. But what were how for starters? How long have you been um, playing or GMing?
1: Um, I've been GMing for I think I started planning a bit about a year for about a year ago, like planning out campaign ideas and kind of drawing stuff down in a Word doc. I think I got a one-shot off during my first semester of college last year, and I think I started GMing campaigns, which is going to be interesting, because I I DMed two campaigns of, like, kind of the same world and general story, like, same characters and villains, but for two separate groups at the same time, which is not advisable if you're an engineering student. That's a lot of of days to... (laughs) miss out but it was very interesting to kind of see how they re- reacted to the world in different ways
0: oh i i i said i wasn't going to mention convention play but you know <laughs> i really really had that brought home to me at the conventions because i would run the same scenario especially at the beginning three or four times per convention mm-hmm. and they were all so different depending I on know, the group. i know i <laughs> know wow to do that at the same time as a beginner what was the game system
1: it was um, the uh, we mentioned Modiphius, but it was the dishonored uh, TTRPG system. If anyone's used, like, I think they make other systems. I don't, I'm not familiar with the rest of their work, but 2d20. If you've played that, you know how it works. Yeah,
0: they they make a lot of other um, a lot of game systems actually.
1: Yeah, I think I saw on their page. I know there's a Star Trek game, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> like, if all the uh, r- properties to make an RPG system of you know, that, that should have come closer to the top of my list than i did
0: (laughs) there's star trek um my husband ran that last year at gen con um dune
1: oh that sounds fun
0: it's it's a lot more role-playing diplomacy type game from what i can tell um and if you're really really into that and you're really into the world you you would love it
1: probably yeah i'm just starting the book so Um, i'll 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 see how much i'm into the world after i finish it but i'm really (laughs) liking it (laughs)
0: the i i read the first book and i liked it my mother told me i shouldn't waste my time on the rest so for once yeah. i actually didn't I, I took her word and i didn't read them but i've i've met a lot of people who just they love them nice so your your mileage may vary um they've also got octone cthulhu uh,
1: okay yes which is
0: world war Two meets lovecraftian mythos Ooh. Um, it, i love it That's i really fun. do yeah and they they're getting ready. If they haven't yet, they've. There's Cahors Cthulhu, blah, blah blah, um, which is set in the Roman Empire. What? That sounds so yes. cool.
1: I mean, um, yeah. What better time to have yeah. Eldritch gods when they were, you know, it, like historically, like Greek gods? are I don't, know, I don't know enough about I, them to say they're similar, but it's cool. I think
0: if you event. go to the Modiphius website, you can, um, you can find the the quick start stuff which is usually free to download. Hmm,
1: I'll give it a look.
0: And and check it out. I think. I don't think it's... I think it's past playtest. I can't remember for sure. Mm-hmm. And there's another one that... Um, out, out of the Ashes. I think that's Modiphius. They've got a lot. Yeah. And they're all great. But what, what drew you to something... To the 2D20 system instead of... Well, you know, what everybody seems to be playing, D&D.
1: So... Interesting thing about that is that I was originally going to run uh, a dishonored like game in D anD D. I was kind of like as oh. it was my first system, and I was thinking like, oh, maybe I'll try that out. I was a big fan of a uh, Dimension Twenty back then, so I was like, I I think I remember watching a video where the GM that Brendan Lee Mulligan was saying, if you've watched like the first season of the series, you know enough about the game to run it. I was like, yeah, okay, I'll try it out. And then I realized like, oh, how am I gonna homebrew all of these like weird powers that are in the game <laughs> and then i was, i asked some people on like uh, the D D club's discord we have here on campus and i said hey how would you guys go about homebrewing this and they're all like that's a terrible idea don't do that um you should go and check out other systems that are built for like stealth or these powers and then someone said yeah there's actually a, D- a dishonored like role-playing game so why don't you do that instead of like reinventing the wheel for no reason And I thought that's a much better idea than what I was going to (laughs) do, and try to run this. That is actually because it
0: probably got you up and playing, and a lot less
1: frustrated. Exactly, I'm really glad that I had I asked around. I think I checked out Blades in the Dark, which seemed cool, but that was kind of a similar thing. If I had, I'd have to fit in my power, the powers of the players. That's like a very central theme of like the story I wanted to go into. I think I checked out. There was another one that was more about like spying. Things like that. I would only use d sixes. I forget what that one was called, but that one I might run later. And then I eventually checked out the uh, – I heard about the d- the Dishonored system, and I just I- – I saw the art in the book. It seemed like they would used- borrowed a lot of that kind of stuff from the games, and I- I'm all about that kind of style, the, like, steampunk look. And I, I loved the game so much. I've Ooh. beaten them several times, <laughs> both of them. So I was, I'm a huge fan. So I figured I might as well go and give that one a shot, and I've been really enjoying my time with it
0: cool that, that, that's a, it's neat to hear and I'm I'm glad they steered you towards something that maybe better fit your needs because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people still I think try to shoehorn the system they're most familiar with into something that it might not be the best system for
1: yeah it's definitely I I kind of it's funny because even despite that I didn't really learn my lesson because I kept trying talking to other DM <laughs> friends but like what if I did like a like Kind of a guitar hero, where you're doing battle of the bands, but in D anD D, and they're saying you should look for another system to do that. (laughs) I I think I need to learn. I think I need people to tell me that a few more times before I retain my lesson. But it is a good one to figure out when you start out. Like there, I mean, obviously, I don't know every single role playing system. There might be one that you're looking into that is insanely difficult, and maybe you shouldn't try that for your first round. But a lot of stuff, if you can get D anD D, D anD D is more complicated than. A lot, a lot of other role playing systems you can try out. <laughs> Definitely more complicated than the Dishonored one, at least.
0: <laughs> and that's my take on it. I think if you stick to the the three basic core rule books, mm-hmm. you'll probably you'll be okay as a, a newcomer. But a lot of people just want to jump off the deep end into the worlds and stuff they see online, and that's yeah. where it really starts getting a lot more complex and complicated. And it makes for a richer experience to immerse yourself in, but if you're new, especially if you're new to being a GM, it seems to make sense to to get those basics down first. So yes. you're not overwhelmed and don't burn out super quick.
1: Yeah, and also the idea of like, a lot of people recommended this to me, like run the game that you yourself would wanna play. Like if you're yeah. thinking, man, I just wish somebody would really put this story together in this system for me, like that's what I'd love to run. I'd love it if this happened to me in the game. Well then do it. <laughs> Like, that's how you know you're going to have a good time with it.
0: Yeah, it is. Because if you're not having fun...
1: Yeah. Then what's... You know, then your players will be having fun either. (laughs) Because you're the whole world. You're the one they're interacting with. So, yeah, you're as tantamount as anything in that situation.
0: And I'm sure you found out if there's one person at the table not enjoying themselves... Oh, yeah. It it affects the whole game. So, yeah, imagine that's the GM. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) I know, I know.
0: (laughs) So, you're... Your first big mistake was running two games at the same time. Hmm. In terms two of different groups,
1: my first mistake was probably at the the first session I ever did, which was a one shot in the Dishonored RPG. The general concept was that I was just going to run it for like new, uh, brand new players, because not a lot of people had played the system yet. And the idea was that they had all they were all like a bunch of mercenaries. Being hired by, I think, like a kind of like PETA, but if like PETA was like an anarchist group and they were actively oh trying to like uh, commit like domestic terrorism, and they were going to free a bunch of whales from like a whale refinery or something, I thought it'd be a pretty fun like idea. It's pretty much like the same location as the the DLC for the first game. You go to, like a whaling factory, and I thought I could pull a lot of stuff from that. But mm-hmm. what happened then? Is that I didn't, I did not understand the game well enough to run it and help people make characters because there was one character. Because when you describe that like scenario of infiltration, okay, maybe I should have recommended you choose a spy or um, maybe someone who's like good with I don't know negotiations or something. But one character looked at the explorer class, which is more if you want to go to like there's a lost island and there's this whole lore about that. But long story short, you're kind of like, I don't know, you know, what it sounds like an explorer and you're better with making maps and navigation than anything else. And in that scenario, they were not very well suited to that one shot. And throughout the campaign, I mean the one shot, I I loved in that like one shot giving away to insanely overpowered like magic items I made off the cuff, which we'll, which we'll <laughs> come back to later because that instilled a very bad habit <laughs> that derailed more than one campaign for me. Actually, I think every other campaign I ran, I gave him a ridiculously overpowered magic weapon that I made up on the spot, and then the balance just like snapped in half, like a twig. <laughs> but <laughs> um, so, first lesson: don't do that. But I think I gave somebody—they um, were like a sniper—and I gave him like uh, enough runes to upgrade to make them so that they can snipe through walls, which they loved. Oh. They had so much fun with that. The boss battle was them like up against this huge like enforcer guy and one guy like was sniping through the walls and i think the other person was an assassin so they had like two weapons that i think the main character and the main character of the dlc had and so they basically found these weapons in like a black market deal and it was like you're right now holding the two most like historically valuable weapons in the history of the world right now (laughs) (laughs) It it would. I don't know. One black market. Yeah, exactly. So that didn't make any sense, but we had fun with it. And I think the Tinkerer character, I gave her the equivalent of like a Sonic screwdriver from Doctor Who. Um, And she loved that. And then for the Explorer, I didn't really have anything to do because it's like, you're not really good at fighting. You'd be great at at navigating, but we're kind of in a, there's like a map on the wall. Like, what are you going to do with that? And I feel like I didn't give her very much to do Which I kind of felt that like oh like everyone's having a great time but you're not really able to participate in this as much as everybody else is because like role playing's great but if you're not like contributing to the group's like success in some way then it can definitely like kind of be a downer. So I Uh, I, I talked to her after the session. I was like, hey, I I feel like I should have like I think she had a, a final hit on the boss, but my my excited DM brain was like, well, what if we shocked him with the sonic screwdriver and his head exploded? And so I did that with the person after them in turn order. And I was like, hey, I should have given you something. I should have given you some meat there. I should have really like um, let you have the final blow. And she's like, no, nah, I get it. It's good. It was my first time DMing, so no harm, no foul. But I definitely learned to make sure everyone's like included in the fun.
0: It's, it's great. You caught onto that very quickly, though. Yes. And I still occasionally have that happen. I think um, I had it happen with one of the scenarios that I ran this past summer where mm-hmm. there was just one character who just didn't seem to have much to do. And I hadn't yeah.
1: thought of that. And I felt so bad for the player. I know. Cause I, I think I had played like uh like a one shot or a couple things before then. And I liked just like helping out people and being able to collaborate and synergize like that. And, and it's like, well, I mean, it, it sounds weird to describe this cause it's just, like, oh, I had empathy, give myself a pat on the back. But it's like, oh, yes. if I if I was in this situation, I wouldn't feel good about it. And it's like, you know, um, I am definitely I caught of that early on because I, it's really good to like, when I found the more I leaned into like, um, there's there's a documentary I saw, I think it's about, he's like a really famous um, talent agent in um, like the music industry. I think he like managed for Prince and uh, Michael Jackson, a bunch of other people. And what every single mm-hmm. person said about him was that he made you feel like you were his primary like attention? Like whenever he spoke to you, he was never distracted, and he felt like you had his full attention whenever you talked to him. And I was like, that would be great if that was in D anD D, or if like I would treat every character like that. Like, hey, your backstory is really important to me, and I really want to make sure that we like touch on that and that we're collaborating in this together.
0: Oh, wow. I kind of hope I'm lucky enough to uh, sit at your table one of these days. And here I was going to say you could sit at my
1: table anytime, Drew. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm actually, uh, I know we are mentioning like conventions a bit ago, but I'm considering running a, well, I am going to run a cyberpunk uh, session at, I believe it's Origins this summer. Uh, I'm still trying to get the basics on like on what I want to do, but I, I know it's going to involve mm-hmm. zombies in some way, shape or form. <laughs> So oh my I think it'll be a fun thing fun. for new players, but yeah, we can get into that if we want to, but yeah, we, uh, but you may have the opportunity to, if you'd like.
0: Oh, I'd love that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Cause I will be there. Of course. I mean,
1: of course. I, I
0: love origins. I love origins more than
1: Gen Con. Yeah, That was my first con actually. I, I went to Rotha at Ohio university.
0: Uh, mm-hmm. I mean,
1: Athens, um, last spring and then i went to origins and i was like this is amazing this is enormous and then i think i yeah. talked to some of the organizers, organizers there because we were playing like clock tower or something um one of the clock tower and i was like this is enormous this is like so huge is this is one of the biggest cons like of the year and they laughed <laughs> and they're like you have not been to gen con and then they showed me pictures and i, I it was, my mind just snapped in half it was crazy i didn't know that that's how big like conventions were
0: but for the record Origins is the or was the second biggest convention in North America. Oh, wow. So that was a big con. In yes, it way. was. It was. But Gen Con, yeah, Gen Con's like
1: five times or <laughs> no, not
0: that many. It's like um, we top it topped 60,000 this year. Again. Holy cow. So they're, they're back to pre pandemic.
1: Nice. Well, good for them. Yeah. I think my it dad's doesn't birthday feel like landed around that. It's as it is. Uh, oh, and, oh, yeah. Unless
0: you're cotton. Unless you're caught in the crowd outside the event hall before it opens.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: Origins is so strung out though. It's like a mile between venues if you're not careful with your schedule. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: But it keeps it from feeling super crowded.
1: Yeah. I like, I like that aspect of it a lot where it's like, it, you can tell, like, you can just feel the passion radiating radiating, up, radiating off everybody, but it's not yeah. so much like you're just like packed in like a sardine can, which I, yeah. of course, appreciated. <laughs>
0: same here i was i was a little worried about that at my first origins even but i had so much fun mm-hmm. um so i hope you oh, yeah. you managed oh, to do. pull off your your game and because i know you'll have a blast
1: oh yeah i'm looking forward to it
0: um so your your first mistake was right off the bat your, your first session is seems like it's quite the learning experience but in a good
1: way yeah oh, excuse me because and it doesn't
0: sound fact. like it was too awful either. It still sounds like everybody had fun.
1: Yeah, I think it was a really fun session. But then I kind of like, when when your first thing is a one-shot, you need to differentiate like, okay, a one-shot versus a campaign. Because if we played the session after and they had all those items, for example, or you're not thinking so much about the next session, then that can kind of uh, get oh, in your yeah. way a bit. But I think I'm definitely way more proud of the next campaign, which I ran. I definitely had some mistakes in there too, but I think I definitely built off in some areas and then, which kind of points out the flaws in what you, yeah, in your system.
0: Now, the next time you ran, was that the beginning of an actual campaign or was that another one shot?
1: That was the beginning of a campaign. So if you've seen um, the TV show on Netflix called Peaky Blinders, my dad and I I love it. I watched
0: an episode. Oh yes,
1: Nice. Um, My, my dad and I uh, love that show. We've seen every season together it's like our thing that we watch together whenever a new season drops. But I was, I was, I think re-watching it during college just kind of, you know, feeling a bit homesick because yeah. we watched it together. And I was like, I should really like make a campaign off this because they're kind of Dishonored and Peaky Blinders, kind of similar vibe, similar, like not quite like steampunk, but like industrial kind of grimy environments. Um, and yeah. I feel like they would gel really well together as like, what if you were mm-hmm. a mob, in a mob, but you had like, a, you could kill like two guys at once or you could teleport and it's like that would be sounds like so much fun which is interesting that neither one of those campaigns ended up turning into a story about crime they all went into oh what's this weird cult doing and <laughs> it went kind of into a call of cthulhu route to be honest it was really interesting <laughs> how that <laughs> how that went but um i also i think. It was very interesting between the two sessions because one of them, um, the first group I played with was from the D&D club and the other group were like brand new players to like any TTRPG who were like my friends in my dorm room. And I showed them the system and we just kind of played over the course of the semester. And I think um, it was interesting to see like the different ways that they handled things because if you kind of didn't have as much experience in... D&D or a system where like combat is kind of nailed down like their system mm-hmm. their ways for exp- for solving a problem even when I had like battle maps out was just like I don't I don't want to like say like way more creative but they definitely didn't feel like as as l- limited in terms of like okay I have an attack I can do one thing I'm thinking it all about yeah, like numbers you. it's like well I want to do this do you want to do this together like they are way more Thinking about holding actions and that kind of stuff, which is really interesting to see happen in real time. Because I remember um, basically they went into like the Cthulhu world, if you want to think of it like that, the void. Mm -hmm. And one of the characters, this is in my friend's game, their father, who they had had abandoned them and was never seen, ooh, was he, he saw, he showed up as like a buff, like monk, bald monk looking guy who was floating in the void. And then they were unsure if he was going to attack them and they spent an entire session trying to figure out, okay, what do we do? Like it was all out of character. There was like, well, like he just showed up, like we don't know anything about him. And that's one of those great moments as a DM where I just lean back and it's like, well, <laughs> guess, guess all the work I've done, I can use for next session. <laughs> you just like lean back and watch it all unfold. I love that so much.
0: That, that is how difficult was it to teach the as as somebody who was new to the system as well? How difficult was it to teach the two d twenty system it's it's a little it feels finicky although once you get the hang of it it's it's a snap i think
1: I'd say it's definitely was harder for me to learn how to run than it was for them to learn how to play because it's kind of like okay, um you want your dice to get underneath this number. And that's kind of it. There's not a lot of like stuff with modifiers, not a whole lot of dice yeah. math. Add two numbers, you roll two dice, oh, each one which that gets underneath the d- number counts as a success. I want so many successes.
0: Yeah. Explaining to players how you can get five successes with 2d20 is... Mm.
1: <laughs> yeah. I,
0: it took me, I, I had to really stop and just think my way through that yeah. for the math.
1: Definitely but, yeah, for that it's it's kind of like how to yeah then you get then you get critical success and critical failures and it can spiral out from there but yeah for it was it was good to just get them started as soon as possible and kind of because a, a lot of the stuff yeah. from dishonored it's done uh, not I want to say for you but if you pick an assassin it's like okay um you he like okay your highest score is this stat we're not gonna you're not mm-hmm. gonna like move points around you can choose between a four and a five and like these two different skills or something, but you need to have this in so many categories. So
0: I think that's kind of how their character creation is all across.
1: I see. That makes sense. Which is nice. Yeah. It's good for new players because they understand what's important. And they have really good descriptions about what each class should be good at. And if you go in like a subclass, like I think for an assassin, you can be like, I uh, I, for, I forget. There's like subclasses for everything. Like you're an inventor, uh, in an inventor, an inventor. Uh, you can like be a tinkerer, like you're just trying to fix things, or mm-hmm. you can invent stuff. So there's like different ways you can go down, and they explain those both really well. But then when it came to DMing, I noticed that it didn't happen super often. But I think at least once or twice a session, there would become come up to a point where it's like, okay, so you're trying to like do this action. How do I, <laughs> what do I make you roll for? Because <laughs> if you haven't played the system, you basically have like, I think it's like move, fight, tinker, talk, or something like that. And then you have like five ways you can do it. So if you want to fight someone, yeah. you could like fight boldly. Yeah. Those two numbers together in like your stats. And then you roll a 220 sided dice. Each one that gets underneath that added up number is counts as a success. The more success yeah. is the more likely you're to, win um and it's definitely hard when it's like oh uh i how do i get you to like what's the difference between quietly and swiftly or quickly and it can get out of hand
0: i thought it would be a lot more complex because you have to figure your dice pool almost every Uh, time you roll something but it turned out you know once once again once you got the hang of it Mm mm-hmm I think it became a lot, for me, and for, I hope, thankfully, the players at the table, it became a lot easier.
1: Yes. There,
0: but you had to get the hang of it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> there was a few things that I had to, like, I think, like, understand the rules better to balance it more. Because I think um, you could, you basically have, for people who haven't played this, um, if you want to add more dice to your roll, you can, like, spend, like, in-game currency called, like, Momentum for the, the mm-hmm. Dishonored one. And then you can add extra D twenty for your roll, but the rule is that you get more of that currency if you succeed a roll more than is required. So it's kind of that feel of like, oh man, I just nailed that jump. Now you like get a gun out of your pocket and shoot a guy, and you're you know you just that you're in the zone. And I think that I used to have it where if you used those momentum to like get a better chance of rolling more, that could also earn you momentum. So it kind of became a thing of, okay, let's use mm-hmm. our whole pool to make a role like more likely to succeed. And we earn momentum on that. And it is, they just kept beating everything with using that strategy. <laughs> so I had to, I had to like put like a house rule. I don't know if it's in the rules or not, but I had to stop that pretty quickly. Cause it's like,
0: I would be surprised if it wasn't because it's in the 2d 20, um, settings that I'm familiar with. You can only buy like so many extra D twenties or yes. Um, You can only get one guaranteed success Um, because yeah, otherwise, but Mm -hmm. I've still seen players using those momentum points very creatively.
1: Oh yeah, I do too. I like that a lot because it does give you like the permission to be creative, which sounds weird, but players need that so much sometimes when it's like, um, it's definitely for them, it's interesting for like the first time players because there was a nice transition of like, okay, um, you have to figure out that this isn't like a board game and it's not like real life. It's like, hey, can I try to insult the person giving us a job? And it's like, uh, you can most certainly try. That's the best line any DM should have memorized. (laughs) You can most certainly try. And then that kind of transition from, okay, we're going to try to do like, anything you freaking want with these points and it's like yeah you can you may certainly try (laughs) kind of thing i
0: like to be the gm that will let okay first off i will say and i i keep having to relearn this every so often Mm -hmm. you should be willing to let the players try just about anything i think and there are some systems that are better designed for that than others but secondly if they succeed because there's always a slight chance of success Mm -hmm otherwise why are you letting them even try it exactly Then you've got to be prepared to follow through yeah so if you really don't want to see them succeed just tell them right off the bat on those rare occasions just go you're not going to make it
1: yeah
0: otherwise you know you wind up having a player
1: try to seduce the monster exactly and it's disturbing um and it's like oh sweet and that 20 i do it and it's like ah oh. it
0: it it happened and tournament play actually really
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh no
0: call of cthulhu uh, yeah yeah i i finally have to- forgiven rick i've told him i'd let him back at my table again it was hilarious though i have to admit the the players are laughing they're like okay the gm has to make a sanity check now <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah lesson learned yeah <laughs> I we have a joke at my um, tables it's like okay the dm has taken are... like 2d12 sanity damage <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> yep it happens mm.
0: so what would you uh, let's let's move to game balance yes because i think that's where the most mistakes get made and it seems like you're catching on you know rather early in your gming life mm-hmm. It's something you've got to be aware of, and and not let yourself throw everything off. <laughs>
1: no, yeah, I think the way I've kind of gone about it is at first, um, I definitely made the mistakes of every single campaign just making up uh, a random spell to give. I, I think I ran D anD I think last semester, and I gave my wizard Eldritch Blast, but I think it's like I gave him like three times the damage without realizing oh it was God. a cantrip. <laughs> And I was like, Hey, can we, uh, I, I had to talk with us. Like, can we like change that? Cause he quickly realized every single turn, the only thing I should do is cast Eldritch Blast. So it's like, Hey, we should not, <laughs> for both our sakes, we should really retcon this. So that one kind of fixed itself. But I think that I'm a GM that I know this isn't like a lot of the people, my DM friends like hate combat personally, Um which is good for their games because they're very, like, roleplay heavy. But I really like – I love, like, action choreography. I love watching stuff like stuntmen react, all that kind of things. So I really Mm -hmm. love, like, fighting, especially fighting together and collaborating on that. And I'm also good at descriptions Mm -hmm. of, like, gore and violence. So that also helps. Yeah. Uh, As someone who's played Dishonored and, like, beaten the Doom game several times, you get – you can memorize a couple of animations, and they always work as a good description. But – um i like because i think a good example of like balance without having to do any math is that i try to make my monsters almost like a puzzle where it's like yeah you'll be if you just like fought these people they're just gonna wipe the floor with you like if you just want to have a numbers game of okay i swing i hit i swing i hit you're just gonna die that's not fun <laughs> to roll, to just keep rolling and hitting, and eventually the thing falls over. Like, if I wanted to do that, right. we would be fighting against, like, chairs. <laughs> and it, You're right. Yeah, you'd be, like, like, I don't know, like, renovating a house, and you'd just be rolling to damage the house or something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> have, like, an HGTV-themed campaign, which I don't know. That that would, could- would be the worst idea, but that's another system for, for another time, but... I try. I think there's one time when, for the game that I was playing with my friends, they went into a dungeon and they found basically a door mimic. But I thought, okay, it's a mimic, so now they're gonna fight it like normal. It's not gonna be that interesting. But I love mimics. Yeah, I, I love the, I love when they jump out. But I wanted to do a bit more stuff after it got out. And what I did was, if you've seen the John Carpenter's The Thing, I had it basically kind mm. of try to like capture which and version clone itself based off the ho- the person that grabbed it um uh the uh the 80s one john carpenter's the thing like the one in the the
0: original okay uh yeah i, th- I think the original john was carpenter.
1: in the 60s the john carpenter one was in oh wait yeah because there's a remake yeah never mind yeah <laughs> I-, I haven't seen that one but
0: oh that's right i think john carpenter is a
1: remake of a yeah it was a remake anyways, of like a 60s yeah. one but yes anyways good this one. is not a movie podcast it's a dnd podcast but yeah the newer one and i thought that my idea was that it wants to clone the person has like the coolest ability. And the players obviously don't know this. So what they did was like anytime it you, you use a power, like, cause if you, so what happened was you grab of the door, it attaches onto you. You try to swing at the mimic that's attacking your friend. Well, the mimic moves out of the way and you hit your friend instead of the mimic. So now your friend <laughs> is at like one health from like a single turn. And now it's like the mimic's <laughs> up next. What are you going to do? And someone's like, well, I'm going to try to, like, use my ability to slow time. And then I say, well, as you go to use your ability, you hear the mimic, like, bubble a little bit and then jump towards you. And that's when it's vulnerable to hit. So it's kind of like a fun thing of, like, oh, I thought it'd be fun to, you know, uh, show how cool the players are. Because if you're just running around, like, oh, I can, like, teleport, I can freeze time. Like, after a while, you have to, like, be reminded of how cool that is. (laughs) And so I thought of having, like, this external thing, like, oh, no, this is a really cool ability. You should be you know, really <laughs> happy to have this kind of power in this world. But I remember talking to one of my friends and he said that he really liked that encounter because it was just so, um, like, just it just challenged, challenged him in a way he wasn't expecting. And I really liked that kind of stuff where um, I'm thinking up some stuff for a cyberpunk game I want to run later. And I definitely want to plan it out where it's like, the more you know is how you're going to beat the bad guys because if you're fighting against a corporation you're not going to blow it up that's just not that's impossible you can't blow yeah. up like a, a megacorp and just expect them to like sit down and take it so I have a like an enforcer who I've kind of made myself he's not balanced at all basically he's got four arms like two robot arms underneath normal human arms and it, it would just I just kind of went off the walls on that but my also hope fun. Oh yeah, it's like he's got four alls, He's got a he's got Wolverine claws in each hand, and he's got a grenade launcher in one arm and a bulletproof shield in the <laughs> other. And one of his hands is a grapple. These, this is all real. I'm not making this stuff up. This is actually what I've written down. So it's like yeah, I believe you. Yeah. So it's like you're never gonna defeat him, but um, if you use like an EMP, that tech isn't gonna work out very well for him. Yeah. No. And so, uh, like thinking about it as in, like. Depending on what vibe you want combat to have, definitely for cyberpunk, um, it's very much a if you want to get into combat, something's gone wrong, because you you don't you heal very slowly and yeah. you can die pretty easily. So it's kind of a thing of like how are we going to like use our wits to get about this situation and use our knowledge to get the upper hand. So I think yeah. that's kind of like my favorite way to balance stuff. What's not a good way to balance stuff is to give somebody like. Um, like a, a ranged weapon that can shoot through walls in D&D and just not even caring about how that affects balance uh,
0: yeah yeah, yeah. I, I, I once gave my husband in one of my very very early Call of Cthulhu campaigns dynamite
1: oh no <laughs> lots
0: of access to dynamite
1: I did the exact same I thing I still regret it
0: <laughs> I still regret it
1: yeah that wasn't uh, <laughs> I did the same thing where the characters were, they were in like a town and they were trying to figure out like who was like poisoning, I think. It was a mystery campaign that I ran like this semester and they were trying to figure Mm -hmm. out, okay, who's who's the villain who's like poisoning like the fertilizer that's like stopping the town from growing crops. And they went into the mayor's house and found like a secret cavern. Um, And inside that cavern, they found a bomb that was planted by like, This rival faction, like basically the church of the town, and I think they found they there were three bombs in the house, and they took all of them, (laughs) and (laughs) then and then I think immediately they went like into the church through like a secret tunnel that connected to the cavern that the mayor had, and I think they were caught and they threw a bomb and they blew up like the basement of this church, and then it's it's just at the beginning it's like yeah like I think at the start as a distraction they had like a wizard like start a, a rock concert to like distract people like it was a pretty goofy session and then immediately it's like okay you guys have committed like domestic terrorism you need to leave right now <laughs> <And> <laughs> just that hard swing back and forth was just <laughs> hilarious and,
0: and, and sometimes going into it if you know you're going to take it over the top mm. i think it works best for a one shot though because then yeah. you have an end point it could be a blast to run a campaign like that mm. but or at least a session, but but a whole campaign, oh dear God, it's exhausting.
1: Yeah, it, It's so hard to keep at that level of energy for like, not even like, if it's like a TV show and you can binge it, maybe, but if it's like, oh no, every like week we're coming back to this and we got to keep the same like ant up <laughs> feeling, that's just, that's so hard to do, but. Or it's going to ramp itself up even worse. Yeah. You know, you're going to have that power creep. And then all of a sudden, like nothing, you just kind of get a feeling that like nothing really. Like, if you have the source power, like, nothing can like challenge you. And it's just sort of like, um, yeah. I don't, I like it right, cool a big lot. Question. But I definitely abuse it as an early DM. Oh, yeah. I,
0: I think we're kind of getting to where we got to wrap up a little bit. But I, I really want mm. to ask this question because I know it's an issue I had. And I don't think I can be the only one. At least I'll be comforted knowing I'm not the only one. Mm-hmm. Did you suffer also early on from, or even now, from wanting your players to like you and think you're the cool GM, which tends to lead to giving them more goodies or letting them get away with more? Huh. I think... Is that part of the reason you gave them like those legendary weapons way back? and
1: Yeah, I don't know about... I think uh, same symptom, but like different cause would it be the way okay. to put that. I think I just really wanted to... Like, I really like the idea of them having, like, cool moments. I thought it would just spice up that campaign. And I feel like a cool way to progress, like, where they were in the story. Because there was a significant point where they all found these magical, like, weapons and stuff. But it definitely, like, there's a good and a bad way to do that. And I think I should have just had them level up. <laughs> then, rather than um, give them, like, super overpowered weapons. I think that that's probably the best way I could have put that. But definitely in my older games... I was, I think I definitely suffered from that a bit where I think in the Dishonored campaign with my friends, one of them, I think had played D and D before and he was like trying to see how much he could break, like the balance of this system. So he was like, I'm a tinkerer. And this guy is kind of like a gloom stalker from D and D where he has like rat friends. Can we put machine guns on these rats? And I'm trying to explain that, no, you can't do that because this is like, (laughs) the 1800s like machine guns don't exist unless they're on a tripod oh. and he's like yeah but i'm pretty smart And was like you're in you're in a shack <laughs> you're in like the poorest <laughs> district of the city you don't have access to any of this stuff and i think like he he like rolled for it or something and i, I let him roll for it and then he got like two critical successes and it's like well oh. uh, i was like you you make three you make three rats so i'm not letting any more of this happen but some stuff like that definitely got out that shouldn't have <laughs>
0: that that's one of those cases of if you're going to tell them they can try it you got to be prepared for them making yes. that critical
1: role that's was a hard lesson because you imagine how many if you have machine gun rats do you know how much you're going to use them <laughs> <sighs> yeah it mm-hmm. got a little it- uh a lot of hand.
0: Okay, any final, uh, a final lesson you would like to share with our listeners mm. that you have learned in the last – it sounds like you've only been at this really just over a year or so.
1: Yeah, pretty much only a year. I would say it's a, it's a lesson. Oh, sorry. You sound so much more experienced, Drew. I think I, – I talk with a lot of friends who have been DMing for a long time. So I guess a it good helps. lesson would be like to take advice from other GMs in that sense. Like they, they've gone through the struggles that you don't have to. But I think the idea of, like, it's in game design. Like, fail as fast as you possibly can. Because if you're a new DM, get get those failures out of the way. Like, my yeah. my first two campaigns were, they had really good moments. They had really man moments. I think overall, they kind of stabilized to pretty okay. That, I don't know how that happened. I got spared, to be honest. I, I think there's been, like, uh, I got cosmically lucky with the people who were playing with me. But... If you're first trying something out like that, that can be a really huge like undertaking. It's not going to – you're not Matt Mercer. You're not Brendan Lee Mulligan. They've been playing for like a decade at this point at least. So I think ease the pressure off yourself and just let yourself fail at this. I, I It can be a little harsh to hear that at first. It definitely was for me. But I think that once you try it and you kind of realize a lesson, it's like, oh, I can't wait to put this into practice. And then you'll understand like how much fun this can be. That'd be my piece of advice. Like fail as fast as possible often. And I don't want to say often and hard, but definitely often.
0: (laughs) That is some of the best advice I think I've ever Mm -hmm. heard actually. And yeah, having, having the support of your players or other GMs while you make those mistakes is priceless. Yeah. But yeah, don't be afraid to fail.
1: Yes. Yeah, especially when you have like if you have another friend who's not of the campaign and they're a GM, you're gonna be speaking to them for like (laughs) up into the wee hours (laughs) in the morning because, like, if you're like me, I can't keep a secret to save my life. (laughs) So, if I had to keep a secret from like six people who I see every day, who one of them who is my roommate, you got to have an outlet for that. But (laughs) yes, I think because I've learned so much and I, I can definitely say with confidence. Each campaign I've done has gotten way better than the last one. Like I'm, I'm very happy with where I am right now. So I think my next undertaking is going to probably be the one shot at Origins. I'm gonna try to do some practice sessions of that before I run it out. But I can say with certainty that's going to be the best role playing session I've run at this point, and the next one's going to be even better. So I think that well, if you're in it for like the the chase of of um, progress and not perfection but chasing that yeah like that progress i think you'll really get the most out of it
0: well i can tell you that um the folks at lurking fears would Mm -hmm. love to be some of your test players
1: Ooh, that'd be great
0: if you don't mind running online and and that can give us a sense of you know how you are as a gm too
1: yeah that'd be great i know i i know i need to run a one a like the session for you guys before i'm like allowed to join for obvious reasons (laughs) um Well, but,
0: you're a member of lurking fears but yeah to become a gm for lurking fears we got to get a sense of where you're at
1: yeah exactly matt yeah. matt
0: does advertise we have the best gms
1: Ooh, awesome so, <laughs>
0: yeah yeah <laughs>
1: no pressure <laughs> no worries no worries uh you know whether or not i'm able to i end up like dming for origins i love the convention i love playing it's not gonna stop me and yeah i'm very excited Good. to try it out
0: good it's it's very rewarding it's rewarding running anytime you're appreciated oh yeah um the conventions are their own kind of beast with its own kind of rewards if that makes sense it's Mm -hmm. it's totally different because you don't know what your players are going to be like when you
1: start oh yeah yeah that's what i'm interested in because i'm I'm making like pre-generated characters and that kind of stuff so yeah and obviously not only can it be different characters making different decisions but different classes who are able to interact with the world as well. So yeah. I'm very interested to see how it goes <laughs> with that different um, style.
0: So I think because we have been chatting for like just over 45 minutes now, but I think that's where we're going to wrap it up, if that's okay. I want to thank you so much because I have had so awesome. much fun talking to you. I I could sit and talk for hours. Honestly, true. Um, I, I hope we too. get a chance so to thank talk you again. For,
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely,
0: um, and I'm sure I'll I'll be talking to you around the web too. I hope. Oh, yeah. um, so I'd like to thank everyone for listening to Behind the GM Screen with me, Melinda Folk, and my special guest, Drew Mullet. Editing is by Raz. You can find Behind the GM Screen most everywhere podcasts are to be found, and you can interact with all of us at the Bardic College in the Cthulhu and Cairo Facebook group. Please like, subscribe, or leave us a comment. You can even suggest someone you'd like to see as a guest. I'm always, always taking suggestions.
1: Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this show, please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to be alerted when future episodes are released. You can find all of the Bardic College shows on most of your favorite podcast streaming services. To support our network, please visit us at www.patreon.com slash the College to hear our behind-the-scenes updates our character solo adventures from Cthulhu in Cairo, and our exclusive Patreon spin off campaign Operation Poltergeist.